Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Greg Bedard Patriots Podcast with Nick Cavins. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Greg Bedard Patriots Podcast uh, with Nick Cattles is not here this week. So my name is Tom, better known as Tom and Quincy from Felger and Maz. I'll be filling in for Nick. Um, Greg, thank you for having me. I hey. appreciate the offer. Hey, no, hey, no problem. I'm, uh, I'm happy to have you. I got to say, uh, I'm a bit of a fan. I listen to, you know, just to fill everybody in sort of on the backstory. And by the way, mm-hmm. we are brought to you by Bet Online AG. Make sure you guys go over there and you uh, use CLNS50 for your 50% off welcome bonus for new for new subscribers. Um, we will we'll get into that a little bit later. But yeah, I just wanted to welcome Tom. Uh, to the podcast. Um, I, I am a fan of the Felger and Mass show, even before I was on. I like listening to those guys. I like, I've always liked sports talk radio going back to, geez, my Mike and the Mad Dog days when I was at Rutgers. Oh, um, you know, all those fan guys. Uh, I like to be challenged uh, on my teams and I like to hear smart takes. I like to hear different takes than me. So I've been a fan of Felger and Mass for a while. And one of my favorite callers, especially the past couple of years has been Tom and Quincy. And I've always, every time I've, I've heard you on call into the show, I've always been, um, it's always been memorable for a couple of reasons. Number one, the accent, it's freaking phenomenal. <laughs> and it's just, it's just perfect. Uh, number two, you always have good questions. And, and number three, I like sort of your, I like your attitude when you call into the show. Well, you know, you get your Danny and Quincy, Danny, what, what I have it on my board. Danny yeah. The dummy and Quincy <laughs> yeah. um, who calls in and like, you know, takes people's takes out of context and, and things like that. And uh, you know, the angry people or, you know, the guys who are just calling in to be like, yeah, remember when you say that you're an idiot, <laughs> you know, that sort of yeah. thing. But I just like how, like, you just seem like, my type of Boston sports fan, the type of Boston sports fan that I grew up being. And so I've always had it in the back of my mind uh, to, to get you to do something in association with BSJ and uh, you know, Nick's doing a lot of stuff at EEI during the holidays. So I figured, Mm -hmm. you know, this would be a good chance to get uh, Tom on sort of, uh, you know, talk some sports, talk some Patriots because I know uh, they're near and dear to your heart. And uh, so I am, uh, I'm happy to have you join us. Why don't you, you know, to, to uh, fill the listeners in, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? How old you are? are you, do you really live in Quincy? Are you from there? Like, where are you from? All that stuff. Uh, yes. Um, I'm 47. I live Same in Quincy. Same age as me. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I grew up in Randolph. I moved to Quincy about 20 years ago. Um, and I've worked at, Comcast slash Xfinity for a little over 19. Um, so it almost coincided with one another. So, which is pretty cool because my area is I work a lot of Quincy as well. So mm-hmm. uh, sometimes when I'm in people's homes and they have, you know, Felgren Maz on, you know, before my, before four o'clock, and usually if, I, you know, one of my buddies I used to work with, it always asked them, you know, do you always watch Felger and Maz? And they're like, well, yeah. And he would always bring it up. Oh, you know who he is, you know? And they're like, who? And they're like, oh, that's Tom and Quincy. They're like, really? <laughs> like some people know. 
<laughs> and I was just kind of blown away by that where I was just like, I just like to call. I like to talk sports. And then I like uh, um, the reaction I get from both of those guys when I call. Uh, it's, it's a lot of fun and I enjoy it when I get home from work, uh, especially if they're really on something that I want to chime in about, mm-hmm. you know, so I, I do, I appreciate that. Um, I always enjoy when you're on, uh, usually on Tuesdays yep. and, um, that's when I called in last week and just asked you a quick question. So I thought, um, it's always been something that I, I always, I never really did it much until probably, I don't know three or four years ago, but, um, I do enjoy it. I, t- I find it a lot of fun. Uh, so I definitely, um, I like to talk my sports and sometimes it's easier to call those guys and talk about it. Uh, mm-hmm. as opposed to trying to talk about it in my house. <laughs> <laughs> so, so are you, are you married? You have kids? I am. Like- I'm, I'm married. I have two girls. Um, How old? yeah, it's 16 and 13. Oh wow! Okay, so I have a third. Oh, I have thirteen-year-old twins. Um, oh, do you? So boy, awesome. boy-girl twins. So, oh, uh, nice. Yeah, and I coach a lot of uh, softball and girls basketball and stuff like that. So uh, I love. Very nice. I love coaching the girls. So that's awesome. So which which of the which of the Boston sports team is your favorite? I grew up a diehard Sox fan. Yeah. Um, I mean, still am. Sometimes they make it very hard for me. <laughs> yeah. But um. I've always enjoyed the Sox, uh, you know, with, I don't, I don't follow basketball too much. I know got mm-hmm. a bunch of buddies that are big Celtics fans, but I'm pretty much football, baseball all the time. Um, it's been rough not being able to go to any of these games. You know, everyone has that probably shares that sentiment with me. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Red Sox will always been my number one. I've been going since I was a kid probably my first game, I will say I was nine. Um, and I, I actually went to Yaz's last game with my mom. Oh, wow. Which was cool. Cause she never watched sports ever until I got involved in baseball when I was a kid. <laughs> so she would pick one game a year and me and her would go, not my brothers, just me and her. So she ended up getting Yaz's last game tickets, which was pretty cool. She'd have like one beer a year and it would be like the tall, um, like the old school wax covered paper cups <laughs> and sit up on the bleachers and meet people from all over that we actually showed up to go to the Red Sox. Cause it was like a destination just to go to the park. Yeah. So that was, that was pretty cool. Uh, I, I usually go opening day every year for the past God, 25 wow. or so since I turned 21. Uh, but you know, missing out last year was awful and I'm hoping that it doesn't happen again this year, but we shall see, I guess. Yep. But. All right. Well, enough of the pleasantries as Felger and Maz would say, <laughs> exactly. um, what'd you, uh, <laughs> so what'd you, think, uh, did what'd you, you watch, think of that game? What, what I think of that game? Uh, yeah. good question. I just got done. To tell you the truth and let you guys know, I only got through the defensive film before I did Felger and Mass today. These night games, like I'm, oh, it's brutal. I'm, I'm getting too old for this stuff. Like, it's just, <laughs> I hear it, it's, it, it's tough to, for me to recover. And so I just got done watching the offensive film. Um, it, it pretty much, it pretty much hold true, held true. I mean, I just thought they got beat in all three phases of the game, which is right. highly unusual for a Belichick team, especially in the division. But I think, I think that's where the two teams are. I mean, you look at. The Bills are the 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 current the the present and the future of this this division right now, and the Patriots just aren't. And uh, I I think I think the thing that look I understand where the where they are offensively, and they didn't get good quarterback play out of either of the guys. They ran the ball okay. The offensive line play was just okay. Yeah. Um. It wasn't as good as I thought upon closer inspection. Um. You know, this is a team that offensively has a very small path to victory, and they basically have to execute well, and they have to make the most of all their opportunities, and they just haven't been able to do that the second half of the season, and including, you know, the opening possession when Bird drops that pass, and including, Ugh. I mean, th- this is just where Cam Newton is. I mean, even that pass was late. Mm-hmm. Like, the, 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 the Sony did a great job of running the ball out and running the play fake because most of the time you get running backs who will – 
pull up short or, 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 you know, hurry up and, and they don't sucker in the defense. He suckered in the defense, made a good run over to the right side, threw it back to Cam. Perfect. And then what does Cam do? He starts running mm-hmm. and then he pulls up and then he throws. I mean, it was still a good throw. It was right there. Bird should have caught it. But that's just like a little tiny thing where it's just those are the type of things that just have built up in this offense where it just the execution level just isn't there. And then you look at the the bills and, you know, look, Josh Allen has improved a lot. He has, I think some of it, uh, you know, Tom, I don't know if, how you are, but you know, you and I are sort of the same age. We're both sort yeah. of, we're, we're old school fans. We're old school sort of sports guys where, you know, my dad told me like, if something's too good to be true, it usually is. And for a guy like Josh Allen to go from 59% completion percentage to like 69% in one year, that's just, it's, it's unheard of. It's unheard of what he's doing. And to me, then I have to, and look, it might be true. He might be the exception to the rule that he Mm -hmm. has improved that much. And he's going to be a hall of fame quarterback. I mean, that's very possible. I don't rule that out anymore because of what he's shown this year, but to me, it's the combination of Brian Dayball, Stephon mm. Diggs, all those weapons. You just look at the Bills, and everything they do on offense is easy. Um, for the Patriots, everything they do is hard. And now, I think the most distressing thing in this game, and it's been building for weeks, is that the defense just is not, it's just not even close to being there. The front seven's just not good enough. You know, Chase Winovich was a guy who we all thought was, he was going to need to start and be effective, especially once a high tire wasn't coming back. And he's still just a sub package guy. And, uh, you know, and that just goes on and on for different guys. Uche's out there and playing linebacker for the first time. He made a lot of errors. Duggar's made a lot of errors. He, he can't cover. He doesn't know how to play in space. He's good going forward, but that's about it. Like, it's just, you know, they just, there's so many things wrong with this team right now. And then you look at the bills and so many things are right with that team. You're just like, you know, I, I bet Tom, you were watching that game and you probably got really depressed watching the bills. Mm. And the Patriots, and it's like, I, I understand. It's hard not to feel that way. What you, would you feel? I think, well, I mean, I didn't expect, I mean, I knew the Bills were improved, you know. Uh, I didn't expect them to be playing like they are this year on, in any facet of the game. Allen, I mean, that's, I guess you have to kind of lean and look at the coaching I, um, because he, Belichick kind of owned him up until the end. Oh yeah. I mean, he came into the game, you know, it's funny. I hear from these bills fans. They even call up the Felger and Mavs and be like, yeah, what's he that? <laughs> what's think of Allen now? What an right. idiot. You look like a, you look like a social studies teacher, but dad, like, uh, all right, fine. But like, I'm sorry, but in, so he coming into this game, he had faced the Patriots five times. I'd watched him five times against the Patriots and other game film. And you know what he was against the Patriots? a 50% completion percentage mm. and a 57 rating. That's what I had seen. That is not good quarterbacking. And so, yeah, he played well the other night, but yeah, you're right. Coming in, Belichick totally had his number. I believe what the what the ESPN crew said that Belichick was like through hot water through cold water on the Josh Allen MVP talk. Yeah. I I believe it cuz that's I Bill and I are on the same wavelength with this. I think it's stable. I think it's the 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 receivers, the tight end, you know, the the pass, you know, the pass protection has been incredible. The Patriots barely breathed on Allen in this game. And you know, so he's so he's playing well. I mean, I understand it. Is uh, you, you, I'm sure you do think this. Uh, the fact that he put up the numbers that he had, uh, the completion percentage that he had, the touchdowns that he had, all this different stuff, is that just like you just said, where they didn't even breathe on him? I mean, yeah. if you have all day long to sit back there and no one in your face, I mean, even when he wanted to run, he just took off. No one could catch him. They couldn't, they couldn't stop the guy. But I mean, if you're not getting any pressure whatsoever from the from the edge, from up front, and fr- nothing. I mean, a guy yeah. with a he's got a cannon. Yeah. Uh, he's all he's had that since he got drafted. That was really the reason they got him. But he was so raw that I guess if you're not gonna get in his face and you're not gonna you know scare him a little bit or something, 
he's going to, he's going to do that. I mean, with the proper coaching that he seems to be getting. So yeah, the, the, I, I mean, whole- Tom, I'll tell you that, um, you know, w- the way you defend Josh Allen and the way Belichick has done it before is like, you need to make him uncomfortable. And, exactly. and that's why, like I've been on Felger and Maz and I, and, and I've said, you know, for the bills and Josh Allen right now, a lot of things have gone right for them this year. They've stayed healthy for the most part. Dayball had the whole offseason of knowing he's getting Stefan Diggs and could scheme up what they're going to do. Um, you know, the, the pass protection's been great. The two tackles that they have have been really good. The interior guys have really come along. And, you know, you look at the stats, Josh Allen is one or two with Aaron Rodgers in terms of throwing from a clean pocket. He's right. middle of the road when it comes to when he's under pressure. And you need to, and the other thing with the bills is that they've done a really job, a really good job of, you know, setting him up in terms of they, they get out to really strong starts. They get him a lead. It's when he, it's when he has to come from behind, not to say that he hasn't done that. He has, but just, you want to get Josh Allen will revert back to Josh Allen. If you put pressure on him, if he's feeling the pressure, if he feels like he has to make a play, then he starts to press the issue and, you know, good on the, the bills to that, to this point, they, they, they've been able to avoid that. I still believe, and look, I'll readily admit down the road, not any, not right now. I don't judge quarterbacks off regular season games. I judge right. them off the postseason. I judge them off of when things are not good. How do they function? How do they, if Stefan Diggs isn't out there for a playoff game or something like that, how does Josh Allen do? You know, in that case, how does he do in postseason games where he choked like a dog against the Texans last year? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what does he do this time around? And so, but but I will say, and, and this is a big difference, Tom, between where the Patriots are in their passing game and where the Bills are. Like, for example, and I use this on Felger and Mass today, there, there was the third and seven pass to Devin Asiasi on the right side. And so it was late. It was almost picked off. So that play if you're a quarterback and you're in tune with what josh mcdaniels is trying to do you're in tune with the patriot scheme and you see the whole chessboard and when i made chessboard you see the defenders you see what the defense is playing you understand the route concept you understand the thinking behind the routes route concept and how the defense is going to react to things so on that play the patriots have trips to the left and the Patriots have a whole section in their playbook, same with the Texans, and I learned this stuff when I did the game plan story on the Houston Texans. They have a whole package in their in, in their playbook called three-man routes. So they're all called something different, like sail, drag, something like that. But it's one word to basically tell all three receivers what they're doing. And so those three guys, there's Bird, I think, is on the outside. You have Harry and I think um, Myers uh on the inside and and the two inside guys are running vertical clear out routes so that bird or myers i forget who it was can come on an in cutting route right at the sticks and he should be open if you know what the defense is going to do cam newton doesn't even look that way all right fine so he wants to go to Devin asiasi who mind you just ran across the field <laughs> and swapped places with dalton Keene while the patriots were at the line of scrimmage i mean what the hell are we doing here So he comes running onto the field. He's isolated on that side. He's ex-iso in football terms. And so, all right, say you like the matchup there and you want to go there, Tom. As a quarterback, I can tell you what Brady would do. Brady would say, say that was Gronkowski or Hernandez or some, you know, living, breathing Patriots tight end, as opposed to what they have right now. Brady would have said, okay, I see the matchups. I like the matchup over there. Now, how am I going to create space to, to get that open. Cause I think we could hit a big play there. What, t- what Brady would do and what Josh Allen did at times in this game, because Tom, uh, cause Allen has begun to understand the concepts in his offense this year. And this is where he's taken the biggest step. In my opinion, Brady would have gone back from center. He would have looked left the whole time, probably pumped real quick to the left. Mm-hmm. And that would have moved the safety and opened up a window for that throw to Devin Asiasi. But what does what does Cam Newton do in his fifteenth or what is fifteenth yeah. game with the Patriots? He drops back from center. He just locks on to Devin Asiasi. He throws. Mm-hmm. There's two defenders there. 
that's the difference between good quarterbacking and not good quarterbacking. And that's just that's why when I hear people criticize Josh McDaniels and he's not doing a good enough job and this and that, it drives me insane because I can under I can see what McDaniels is trying to do. I can see what Dayball is trying to do. Dayball has a quarterback and weapons that will enable will, will execute his vision. McDaniels does not. And that's why right. the Patriots are horrible on offense. Sorry. I just had to get oh. that off my chest. Oh, no, I understand. <laughs> um, how do you feel about um, the fact between Newton and Stidham? I think it was like 80 yards or something in yeah. the whole game. Um, I mean, inefficiency is one thing. That is That is inept. And, I mean – they they don't even look like they're professional quarterbacks at this point. So where or what um, what role is Stidham gonna have going into this week? Because getting chucked in at garbage time like he did last week yep. and played as poorly as he did, like it it's almost like why do you even bother? Yank and Newton because Stidham went in and did the same exact thing yep. as Newton. Yeah, I think it's a it's a good question and I think it's a good point. And of course, I think you know where I stand that um, once they were eliminated, and I understand Belichick doing right by Cam Newton. And right. Cam seemed a bit frustrated in this game, and actually, when I was at the stadium for the game, I understood. Like I was like, okay, he's pulling Newton. I understand. Actually, watching back. The game film and the way I watch game film is I watch all the offensive snaps in a row. I watch all the defensive snaps in a row. And so, you know, actually watching the game back today, I was like, hmm, that was kind of a quick hook with Cam. I mean, he wasn't effective, and I had him for his one-plus play was the scramble on the touchdown, which was great. And I had him That was for, a nice one. Yeah, I had him for six negative plays, so that's it's not good quarterbacking. But I right. thought it was a little bit of a quick hook. Um, but so – I want, but once they were eliminated, I wanted him. I wanted Stidham to play. I wanted. I at least want data. You know, I, I don't want him to play because I think he's better than Cam Newton or gives the Patriots a better chance to win. I have no idea, and I can tell you the truth, Tom. And and, and this is from talking to people around the team. They don't have a clue what he's going to do. They never have. And right. and so even you know all that stuff you heard in the off season about like, well, you know, Jared Stidham's the guy. They like Jared Stidham. That was a bunch of bull crap. You know, right. I try to tell people this. People don't want to listen, but, you know, I think, you know, and, and you'll hear people say like, well, what what caused their change of thinking? Well, that's if you believe they did have a train of thought on still. Right. I think a lot of people, and I'm guilty of this sometimes too, if I don't have all the information, you assume because Bill Belichick is the greatest ever and that pretty much every decision he makes turns to gold or else he, 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 he finds a way to coach around it, that... They they go through they go through free agency they don't add a quarterback they go through the draft they don't have at a quarterback what does that to most tell, uh, tell most people well Bill Belichick must have confidence in Jarrett Stidham if he hasn't right. done anything at quarterback that must be that must be it and and I think that's a little bit dangerous and I think that's what a lot of people fell into I don't think the Patriots certainly the Patriots weren't telling me that. I don't right. think the Patriots were telling people that. I think I think it was more people supposing that, and that's fine. I'm guilty of it too, um, at, at times. Uh, but you know, I want to see Stidham get an opportunity with first team reps. He's getting reps in practice, but it's not the same. I want I want Josh McDaniels to to know when he goes into game planning on Monday night. Well, this week, Tuesday. Well, they started before for Monday night games. They start game planning um, Sunday and Monday because they, they're losing time. So whenever he game planned for this game, I wanted Bill Belichick to tell Josh McDaniels, all right, we're going with Stidham. So now McDaniels can can put in plays that fit Jarrett Stidham instead of, like you said, being slapped in there. He's having to execute a game plan that was built around Cam Newton, and they're different quarterbacks. And so I just – I don't know what's going to happen. He's probably going right. to suck. He's probably going to throw four interceptions and they're going to lose to the Jets. Probably. I don't know. But I just want to see it because I know what I have in Cam. It's not going to work going forward. Right. He, he can't be your starting quarterback next year. I don't know if Jared Stidham is, but I at least want to know whether he can be a backup, 
a quality backup for you and an option and maybe deserves further development. But right now, off of off of this game, both quarterbacks were bad. I didn't think Stidham was good in this game. And but it was tough to tell. Um right. you know, because he's just he's running Cam Newton's place. So uh hang on a second. We will pick up this discussion, but first I want to read uh I want to read our supporting sponsor, betonline.ag. Uh, are we ready for some football? College football heads into bowl season, and there are some big matchups this weekend. NFL regular season is finishing up, week 17 coming up, with the playoff picture becoming clearer. There is only one place that you that has you covered and one place we trust, betonline.ag. Sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use the promo code CLNS50 for your 50% welcome bonus. You know, Tom, I was just I was just looking over some of the lines that they have over at Bet Online, and you know they got your boy Brady. He's uh, he's favored by six and a half over the Falcons yes. at home. I thought that was a little little skinny there. Yeah, on, I agree on the spread. Um, I think the Bucks will look to to pour it on in this one. But then again, they did just struggle with the Falcons in Atlanta. So you know who knows. Uh, you got the ra- the big. Uh, Cardinals are favored by three. Wait, they are? The Cardinals are favored by three at the Rams. Oh, that's because of golf. Yeah. Must be. And then uh, the Washington football team is favored by one and a half over the Eagles. So I found those interesting. But make sure, don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. Don't forget to use that promo code CLNS50 to receive 50% off welcome bonus with your first deposit bet online your online sportsbook experts visit our good friends and exclusive partner at bet online on twitter at bet online underscore ag to take advantage of the best bonuses in the business all right so tommy yes i asked you to prepare five questions five burning questions from the heart of Quincy. <laughs> and uh, I don't know what these are. We haven't shared them. Um, he's probably going to rip me about my uh, Rob Gronkowski tweet from um, 2010 or something. But, um, <laughs> no, I probably but uh, go ahead, have at it. What you got? Um, all right, Greg, my first question. Um, of all the players that, um, that opted out this year between the Hightower uh and chung and cannon uh and then a couple of the older veterans that uh the the return may be questionable out of that list do you find it possible that uh one or multiple of them simply retire and do not return i would say that i think that um I think that I think that most of them do return. I think I think they realize this was a crappy year. Um, going with the supposition that uh, that the vaccine is is around, it's working, it's effective. That it looks like it's going to be more of a normal off season. I think you know what a lot of people haven't talked about, and I think you're going to hear more of this after the season, Tom. Is that I think um, you know, and you've probably played sports and stuff as a kid. I mean, like. Mm-hmm. This is even for the guys who played for the Patriots this year. Like it's been different, especially since they went into emergency protocols, like basically midway through the season, like they haven't even been in like meeting rooms together and that sort of bonding, you know, being with your brothers in the locker room, busting on each other, you know, making fun of Stidham's haircut and things like that. I mean, this is all, (laughs) you know, you know, busting, you know, Stidham's cams chops being like, Hey cam, why don't you one hop another guy out there? You know, that kind of thing. Like, they haven't gotten any of that. I think I think a lot of guys miss it. And you also have to remember, these guys only have a finite amount of time to make money. And you're, you're talking about a guy like Patrick Chung. He likes his money. Belichick likes to give him money. I don't know why, <laughs> but he does it. So I expect him to be back. I expect Hightower to be back. It'll be interesting to see. I do think something we need to keep an eye out on, even if these guys say, all right, well, I'm coming back. You know, when it comes really time to report or once they get there, like, are they just like, nah, I'm not feeling it. I sort of got in a mode. Right. I don't know. But I think I have a, I have a suspicion that almost all of them are going to return. Devin McCourty says he's already returning. Um, 
I assume Hightower is going to be back. We'll see with him. He's the guy. He's gotten paid enough. He has his rings. He might not be right. back. Um, but I think most of the guys come back. Okay. Uh, the second question I had for you was regarding these tight ends that they drafted in the third round. Uh, as a fan of them um, going after two tight ends, because I just I was hoping that it was going to go back to the kind of offense like Hernandez yep. and Gronk were. Yep. And it obviously that isn't happening, but it's almost, it, it's almost like a red shirting of the two of them this year. Uh, I think they have one catch combined between the two of yep. them uh, was going into the season with them. So limited uh, on, you know, getting offensive snaps. Was that planned or was it more based on uh, their health or was it more based on that this Belichick just wasn't seeing what he thought he was going to see um, leading up to the draft to start? Yeah. I, I Well, I think, number one, uh, you know, you get what you earn and sort of what you show mm. on the practice field. And, like, you know, Asiasi was okay to start camp. Um, I wouldn't see either of them blew anybody away. And I know there have been some injury issues, but I don't really think that's been much of a factor. I mean, right. you know, you look at – Back in 2010, when they had Gronkowski and Hernandez, um, people kind of forget that Hernandez was the one who hit first out of the two yeah. of them, and like he was a he was a decent part of the offense from the get go that year. Where Gronk was really more of a blocking tight end, do a little bit. By the end of the season, he was catching touchdown passes and and becoming more of a force. And so, guys have their own path, and it's all right. you know what they show how they get the offense, how they execute, stuff like that. Um, you know, from people that I've talked to around the team, um, it just – with Devin Asiasi, he was, like, good for about two weeks. And then, Tom, for every NFL rookie, there comes a point in time when they realize the NFL is hard, that yeah. these guys are good, that the coaches are tough, that being a pro and having to wake up every day and do it day after day and sore body and all this stuff, like – you know, you, it sets in like it's a profession. And some guys mm -hmm. like look at it like, you know, I'm not having a whole lot of fun anymore. This was like when, you know, when I went to Rutgers and I was playing on the baseball team, you know, my second, I could can't come back from this hand surgery that I had, but I really wasn't having that much fun anymore. And, and I kind of wanted to be more of a college kid. So, yeah. you know, I sort of left the game. But these guys, they, they realize it's it's a profession. And some of them rise. Some of them love it. Some of them rise and say, okay, uh, I, I like this. I can I can meet the challenge and push through. And some guys sort of shrink. And from people I've talked to, that's been Asiasi. Yeah, there has not uh, been a lot of mental toughness behind the scenes. I think you can see some of it in his play on the field in terms of just his body language when he's on the field. Dalton yeah. Keene, I think, is more of a – I think he has more of a chance – I think the consensus, and I know Albert Breer's working on something about Belichick and his drafting, and I think he's going to talk about these tight ends because we've been chit-chatting back and forth uh, the past couple of days, but about how, like, everybody says, like, Dalton Keene was overdrafted. Um, you know, Dalton Keene's been almost like a big puppy where he's just kind of all over the place. And you think, <laughs> but he, I think he wants to be there. I think he loves football. So I don't really worry about him. It's when he's going to get it. And I think once he gets it and he gets his role and they create more of like a crash Jensen type of role for him, mm -hmm. like I think he's going to flourish. And I think he's going to be a weapon for this team. Um, Asiasi, I don't know what kind of future. I don't know if he has any future here, um, really? to tell you the truth. And I think the Patriots um, – fell into a trap and I don't know if this was by design or just Belichick being Belichick, but look, Tom, you know, we're not idiots. They certainly aren't idiots. We all knew the deal at receiver and tight end. Mm -hmm. And so for Belichick to come out of this draft, trade out of the first round, give up like a Kenneth Murray or whatever you wanted to do there mm -hmm. and, and then take three defensive guys with your first three picks like when there were tight ends probably that you had rated higher there that you just passed on and all of a sudden you're scrambling, um, it looked like, to go get Ossie Ossie and Dalton Keene, like that's problematic. And to me, it illustrates sort of the personnel problems that they've had the last four or five years. Right. Uh, my next question was kind of regarding the draft, where Belichick essentially 
you know, runs the whole show, right? Uh, and I've, I've hear people call in all the time. Well, can't you just get a GM and then like Bill's right. not going to answer to some no. dude. Right. So um, what does the, what's the role that Casario actually plays on that team? If he really doesn't make the picks, he, is he more of like a, like a sounding board or does Belichick just kind of, Hey, I like this kid. I'm going to go get him, Nick. And then Nick goes, okay, Bill, is it more something like that? Yeah. And I think, I think Bert's going to um, have more on this and, and, you know, okay. Bert's done a good job of um, reporting on this and I've sort of reported on it and talked about it in the past, but you know, in general, you know, cause I know what Bert told me last night was that, you know, there are some guys who have left the organization scouts, yeah. um, you know, good guys who have left in the past few years who left because, they didn't really see their work coming to fruition. And there's a frustration <laughs> right. because what happens is basically the way the personnel department works for the Patriots, basically Casario is there as he's like, he's the general manager for the personnel side. So he, he sets up, all right, who's going to scout where, who's going to scout who, who's going to cross check, okay. who's going to do, he's going to stack the board. He's going to do all the work while Bill's coaching the team during the season, Nick's handling all their college scouting and all that. And he's arranging, oh, okay. you know, their board and stuff like that. And so all the reports, making sure everything's organized. So when Bill's done, then he hands them the binder, the note, you know, the the computer, whatever, what yep. have you. And now Bill and the coaches can get involved in the scouting process. And then, then from there is a matter of different opinions. From there, it's mostly... Nick hands it over from some people I've talked to Nick hands it over to bill. And then it's all bill from there on out that, okay. you know, the scouts will have meetings. The scouts will have meetings with the coaches and things like that. Um, it's hit and miss on whether bill takes part in those meetings or not. I'm sure sometimes he's listening in if he's not there. Um, but I can tell you that there's a frustration that a lot of the work that the scouts have done over the years, um, especially in recent years, uh, has led to fr some frustration because Bill just doesn't use it. He will take what they have. He'll read the reports. He'll go on his scouting trips. He'll talk to his college buddies. And then he'll sort of make a recommendation or not a recommendation. Then he'll make his decision. And I don't <laughs> yeah, think, right. I don't think Nick really has any input once okay. when it comes to that stuff, as far as odd. the way I know it. Yeah. It's yeah. odd. Cause I mean, the guy, he could have went to Houston and actually done a GM position, correct? And he decided yep. to stick around. Yeah, I um, think uh, just one thing quick on that before the next yep. question. I, I just think sometimes sometimes guys realize they're better as sort of like the number twos and mm. instead of, you know, running a whole department and being the pressure being on them and having to answer all these questions and, you know, dealing with owners and things like that. So uh, as far as I know, I think Nick came to that realization that he's, he's better at least – you know, working in concert with a head coach, like say in McDaniels, yep. McDaniels goes someplace and they're working together that it's them together um, working on personnel instead of him just being hired as the Houston Texans general manager running everything. I don't know. If he really wants that. Uh, my next question kind of is kind of just what you just said. We'll just bounce. I'll bounce off that with McDaniels again, being spoken, you know, being asked about a head coach and position, mm -hmm. uh, is it something he wants? He's pretty emphatic that he's, uh-huh. Yeah, I do. Yeah. I'm all in for that. Um, if that's the case and he is being looked at by certain teams, uh, the one that I've heard a lot about, uh, would be the charges. Yep. Uh, and I think it would be appealing to him to have a kid like Herbert to work with. Uh, if that was the case where they, um, you know, kind of courted McDaniels, would that be something where McDaniels would go, yeah, hey, Nick, come with me to L.A. or San Diego or whatever yeah, you want to call it? I don't think I – think, I think McDaniels at this point in time after what happened with the Colts – and look, he was going to go to the Colts and he was going to work with Ballard, who's a strong mm -hmm. GM. Yeah. So Josh obviously doesn't have a problem with that, or at least he didn't. Um, until whatever happened in Indy happened. Right. Um, 
in, in Sandy, uh, San Diego, in, in LA. I do it all I the think, time. <laughs> I know. I always think of the Jack Murphy Stadium when, I'm, uh, when, I, met, when I think of the Chargers and Dan Fouts. But um, so I think that uh, McDaniels, Telesco, the GM, I don't think he's going anywhere there. And I don't think oh, okay. he should. I think he's a pretty good GM. Uh, McDaniels and he were actually on the same college football team. I think McDaniels I heard something like that. Yeah, Telesco yeah. was a senior, and McDaniels and Casario were freshmen at John Carroll. So okay. there's some they know each other. I think there's a mutual respect. I think the other job that's appealing to McDaniels would be Jacksonville. Uh, <clears throat> that's if there's rumors that Trent Balky, who was the 49ers GM, who I personally mm-hmm have a lot of respect for. I did a big takeout when I was at MMQB on Trent Balky, and I think he's very misunderstood. Not the biggest people person, but the dude right. knows talent. And those 49ers teams were kind of stacked with talent until Harbaugh kind of ran them into the ground. Um, I think that I think that Balky and McDaniels would work well to that, together. I think that uh, McDaniels would work well with Telesco. And I think, to me, looking at all the possible situations – if I'm if I'm the Chargers and I don't know whether they're going to fire Anthony Lynn, I really don't. I, I you know, there's a lot of different reasons for that. Uh, Anthony Lynn's a really great guy, and and that's tough. So they might hold on to him for another year, which I think is a mistake because we've seen what has happened there the past couple of years, yeah. including some of the egregious coaching uh, mistakes. But I think, I think if if I'm the Chargers, Josh McDaniels is my guy for that job. He knows how to develop quarterbacks. He, he's he's going to give him a, Herbert a proven system. There are weapons in place. There are pieces in place. I mean, you have Bosa up front. You have Perriman at linebacker. You have Kenneth Murray at linebacker. You have Derwin James. You have cornerbacks that are good. You have Keenan Allen. You, I mean, it, it is plug and play for the right yeah. coach, and that's why they can't go get like a Brian Dayball who's never been a head coach before. Josh has been a head coach like Belichick. Made his mistakes, and there were many right. in Denver. Has learned from them. Has become a different person, a much more mature person. Look, he was like 33 years old. Like, now he's our age. Like, trust me, I was a jackass at 33 in a lot of ways, <laughs> and I'm still a jackass. But uh, I'm less of a jackass now, I would I, I would like to think. And so you need a guy who can come in there and compete with the Chiefs, like now, today or else you're going to get buried out there. McDaniels, with the way the Patriots have played them, he knows how to play the Chiefs, he knows how to beat them, and he knows how to get the best play out of quarterbacks. And to me, it just it makes too much sense. I would love to see it for happen because I, I have a lot of respect for Josh. I think he's very talented, and yeah. I think he's going to do good things the second time around. But who the hell knows with these owners? Um, if McDaniels does go elsewhere um... – you know, obviously that opens up a spot for an offensive coordinator to come in here and, you know, take his, take his place. Uh, the, I heard the Adam Gase stuff this week. Yeah. Um, the other one I heard was Bill O'Brien coming back here. Yeah. Um, either one of those a logical replacement at this point, or is it just chatter? Yeah. I, um, I haven't talked to O'Brien, um, lately. Um, so I don't know. I don't know where he is on that. Um, okay. I could see him wanting to come back here. Um, I think his his wife Colleen. I think is from here, also, and and um, I think his mom's still here. So I could see him wanting to come back. Um, he might, if McDaniel's gets a head job, he might go with Josh. They are very close. They would talk. Okay. They talked like every day when he was in Houston. Um, so I think that would be that would be a great thing for McDaniel's in my mind that he could turn the offense over to Bill. And right. then he could worry about being a head coach, which I think he needs to do. And, um, you know, as far as candidates, I think that George Godsey, who is uh, – I think he's technically the wide receivers coach down in Miami. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was Bill O'Brien's offensive coordinator in Houston. I worked with him on the game plan story. I really like George. Of course, he, he got stripped of his play calling duties there, so I don't know what Bill thinks of uh, – O'Brien thinks of him. Right. Um, I was impressed with him, and he, does, and he knows the scheme. Uh, Chad O'Shea is another guy out there who I forget where he is right now, but you know, former, former Patriots assistant was yep. the offensive coordinator in Miami called those plays, beat the Patriots with Ryan Fitzpatrick last year. Um, and, uh, Oh, and about Gase. Uh, I think that's very possible. And, really? um, 
Yeah, and I mentioned somebody asked me about this in my member chat on Saturday. Uh, I think Belichick, Belichick's talked to him about a role before. Before I think he got the Jets, Jets head coaching job when he got fired in Miami. Um, Bill sees what I see. I know people rag on me about saying that Adam Gase is a good coach. He's a good offense. I think he's an excellent offensive coach. I've always been impressed with how he set up Tannehill, and Tannehill was on the verge of success down there until you know he had injuries and then the, the yeah. roster got away from them. Um, but I've always been impressed with Gase as a, as a game planner, as a play caller. He understands how to attack defenses. And Belichick, you've heard Belichick say some of the same things. Yeah. Um, so I, would, I think that would be a really good move. And I think it would be – I would like to see it because it would bring in a different set of eyes to the Patriots scheme and might not elevate it, but just, you know, who knows? It might, might improve it a little bit. Yeah. Players would help too. <laughs> yes, that's just that's for sure. Is that my fifth one? Did I have one? Was more? that was that it? I think that was I think that was my fifth one. Okay. Well, let's wrap up here with the uh bostonsportsjournal.com member question of the day. Check us out over at BSJ for 11 cents a day on our annual plan. Uh not only do you get top-notch analysis of all the Boston Pro Sports, but if you're a Patriots junkie, and if you're listening to this podcast, you are. Then a membership at BSJ gives you access to a ton of video analysis that I do. I just posted four videos of video analysis the other day. We'll have more coming up uh, that I do on the coaches film and directs access to me in weekly chats with the members. Uh, those are always fun. So dumb Pats fan asks, when you are in week, week, week 16 and still making mental mistakes, isn't that an indictment of the coaching of all the disappointments this season? The poor coaching to me was the most surprising and concerning. Yeah. And, and Tom, this is something I brought up on Fel, Felger mass today is mm -hmm. that, you know, you, maybe you can answer this. Um, which Patriots player has improved this year? Uh, overall. Uh, maybe uh, may, I'm just trying to think. Maybe Myers. I think Owenu. I, um, I was going to say Owenu because I, I never, to be honest, I, I didn't know much about him. Yeah. He's, he's been very consistent. He's, he's been all, yeah, he's been excellent. He's, he's been very consistent. consistent. So I don't know how much better he's gotten. I think he just sort of showed up, was a. And played the well. The big thing was him was, yeah, the big thing was him was could he control his weight? I think that's why he dropped. I think people, at one point at Michigan, I think he got a little chunky. So people yeah. were like, oh, he's going to turn pro and he's going to get fat. And he, He's right on that line of being, you know, too big, but he's been pretty good. Um, I'm trying to think on defense. Uh, Jones, Jackson, no. Gilmore, no. Any of the linebackers, no. Safeties, no. So that that's been my the disappointing thing to me, and and I, and I sort of bring that back to um, the coaching that I talked about. Is that yeah. You know, I don't have a big problem. Everybody brings up the Patriots are the small scouting and coaching staff in the league. Most of that stuff I don't really care about. I mean, because I think a lot of other people like bloat everything. Like everything's bloated and, right. you know, they, they hire all sorts of guys. I mean, Alabama, University of Alabama, I think has like 45 assistant coaches or something. But <laughs> I do think, Tom, I think there's something to be said for, you know, having having more coaches like assistant linebackers coach or assistant right. safeties coach to like sort of, like, you know, these guys have a lot of game plan responsibilities. Like, you know, each of these, each of these coaches has um, something that they need to uh, put into the game plan, whether it's third down, goal line, all sorts of stuff. You know, it would be nice to have sort of younger assistants that can maybe, you know, bring up the younger guys who aren't playing as much up to speed right. mentally, like, you know, being on them. I just think it's too much to ask those position coaches to do everything that they ask. So if I, if I had one suggestion to Belichick as far as the coaching staff, it'd just be like, bring in a couple more hands just to help the younger players. Because, Tom, they ain't going to get good if they don't bring in more younger players and they don't make them better quicker. Because no. you're not just going to bring in veterans. Like, look at the Bills. You know, they have a young nucleus of guys who are really good that they've drafted or undrafted guys. And they've been the backbone. That allows them to go out and sort of plug the gaps. in in And the Patriots right now, they don't have that younger layer, and we're seeing the, the repercussions right now. I, I mean, it's kind of – it's glaring, you know, because, I, I mean, Winovich, you know, like you had mentioned to start this off, uh, there was some high hopes for him, I think, 
And he just, again, he, he's not an every down, you know, defensive player, you know, like you said, sub packages and stuff like that. I was hoping for more for him from him. Uh, Uche kid, jury's still out on. Yep. Cowart was a guy that Cowart was a guy I had big hopes for this year on the interior defensive line. And, you know, you don't really notice him all that much. Once in a while, he makes a splash play. That's always yeah. he's been. Yeah, it seems like some of those guys, that's all they do is make a splash play here and there. And the yeah. next 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 game or two, they're making stupid jumping off sides penalties like Butler the other night. So Butler's had a couple good games where it's like, oh, he's all over the place. But I, I think what I saw the other night was the fact was it because guy uh, Lawrence Guy didn't play at all. So now Butler's kind of the guy that it was the number yep. one type thing. So he kind of, he kind of faulted big time compared to when guy is next to him on that line. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Um, and I, maybe some of those kids, I mean, I mean, he's not a kid. I mean, he's, he's been around for a few years, but, um, is it maybe there's just spotlight too big for them right now? Are they just they need more grooming or are they just maybe just not as good as everyone thought they maybe were going to be? Yeah. I don't know. We're going to, well, we're going to have to see Tom because they're going to, um, they're not getting out of this anytime soon unless those kids start to play better. And, and they just, they, they have, they, they, they got to stop with the role players. They got to have right. just players. They have to have three down players that can go out there and kick ass and beat the guy in front of them. And right now they just don't have enough. Um, but that's a discussion for another day, but uh, we got to wrap this up for this week. Right. Tom, I, I wanted to, uh, I wanted to thank you. I hope you had a good time. Did you have fun? I had a blast. I appreciated the invite. Like I said, uh, I was, I was looking forward to doing it. I, it, it was great. I really did. I really enjoyed it. I thought it was awesome. Yeah. I look forward to it and hopefully we can do it again soon. Maybe, uh, towards the end of this week. So, uh, but thank you, Tom. Thank you to all the listeners. Thanks for, uh, tuning into the Greg Bedard Patriots podcast with Nick Cattles brought to you by betonline.ag, And we will see you guys very soon. <laughs>